2, Philippians chapter 2. And when you find your place, if you'll stand with me as we read a portion of God's Word this evening, Philippians chapter 2, I, I so appreciate the faithfulness here of the folks at Valley Bible Baptist Church. And um, it's just, it is so encouraging. Uh, it's encouraging to, to, uh, to your preacher. It's encouraging to uh, others around you. Uh, just, I, I don't know about you, but I look forward to coming to church uh, just to see you. I, I really do. Just, uh, I, I need to see you. Um, we need, I haven't always been a pastor. And uh, when I wasn't a pastor, I needed to see the folks at uh, the church where I was a part. And uh, just the encouragement um, that, uh, that we gained, uh, just being a family together. Uh, I need to see my, my family. I, I, my favorite times are around the, the meal time. And uh, I need to see my wife. I like her. I, mean, I, I, want, to, I want to be with her. And I uh, need my family, need, need my church family. And uh, we just, we need one another. And uh, I'm grateful just for your presence and what an encouragement uh, it is to, to one another. It's one reason I had looked forward to the Labor Day Conference. I have a lot of pastor friends that it's just good to see them again and be with them again. And, and every now and then hear one of them preach. And I'm so grateful and, and proud of them, actually, uh, when they preach. And God uses them in a great way, and it blesses my heart. Philippians chapter 2, if you will help me, let's read here. And uh, the, the Bible says, verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love. And, and we kind of uh, took that thought last week and uh, built upon it. We're going to continue that thought. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, humility, let each esteem other better than themselves. And humility is not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think of yourself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And uh, as, you, as you look, and, and we'll, we'll get into this, but the context here is a local church. And he's dealing with the, the, the one accord, the one mind uh, here within the context of that local church. And it uh, becomes very important. And the principles that, uh, that are dealt with are, are very crucial and so many broad-reaching applications. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord uh, this evening in prayer. And uh, would you pray tonight that, um, that God would have his way, that he would speak to us and just exalt himself here this evening. Father, we thank you. You are so gracious, so good to us. Thank you already, Lord, that uh, you have met with us. And uh, even as we sing that song, I need thee every hour. I need thee. And Lord, we most certainly need you right now. And uh, we need you just to set aside our thoughts and put our thoughts toward you tonight. And uh, Lord, just to uh, seek you, uh, to come before you, 
to allow you tonight, by your spirit, to speak unto us. And Lord, please, tonight, have your way in this service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. And uh, as, as you're seated, um, again, the, the context here is the local church. I want you to go back with me, Philippians chapter 1, and uh, look at this very first verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 1. And it reads, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. But uh, here the, the letter is to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. And so it's very clear here, uh, the bishops would be the pastors, the deacons would be the, uh, the, uh, the deacons of this church. So the context here is the local church. And as we have seen going through Philippians, Paul was used in Acts chapter 16 to plant this church. And uh, I think this was one of his favorite churches uh, he was very close to this church. It's evident that he loved this church, that he prayed for this church, but also evident that this church ministered to Paul. And often as Paul traveled, this church would send to his needs and his necessities. And we're going to get into that later as we march through the book of Philippians. Now, one of the, one of the themes here of, of the book of Philippians, of course, the joy of the Lord. This is one of the most joyful books Paul wrote from the prison house, but uh, another of the themes of the book of Philippians is being of one accord, okay, being of one mind. And we've seen this and spent some time with this. Look at verse 27 of chapter 1. And here Paul says, Only let your conversation, this is your manner of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Let it represent the Lord Jesus and the one that purchased you, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then we go on to chapter 2, verse 2. He says, Fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And so he's speaking of unity, and, and uh, we're looking at some of the, the principles that are so foundational, so important, so crucial in being of one accord. And as we've gone through some of these, these aspects, looking at these uh, first chapters, uh, first of all, to be of one accord, we need a common Savior. And isn't that a blessing, that uh, if, if you know Christ, there's that, that bond that you have with others that know Jesus Christ. It's our common relationship with Jesus Christ uh, that draws us. It's that common relationship that becomes the spiritual glue. And that's why it's so important, young people, for uh, you uh, to marry, if you're saved, to marry a saved person. You need that common bond together, so very crucial. And uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, we're part of the same family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and isn't that wonderful? It's a family that God has given us together. So there's a common Savior. There's a common doctrine in verse 27 of chapter 1. He speaks striving together for the faith of the gospel. When you see the article in front of the word faith, we're talking about the doctrine. We're talking about what we believe. And uh, that's very crucial. We have a common doctrine. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4 puts great emphasis upon that, that we be not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And uh, you'll find that uh, uh, churches today uh, all across this nation, all across the world literally are being torn apart with every wind of doctrine. There's a lot of, there's a lot of garbage out there today. 
And uh, you can find somebody that's going to say whatever you want. And uh, you're going to find a lot of, lot of garbage out there. And, you know, so often it, it's really a Bible truth that is taken to an extreme, taken out of context, out of focus, that uh, really becomes uh, an issue and divisive. And uh, we've got to be very careful. I was reading a statement made by Charles Spurgeon. And he spoke of those that take one truth and they focus only on that truth. And they missed the whole rest of the picture. And uh, really then spoke about that becomes a source of pride because uh, suddenly I know more uh, than anybody else. And I I had somebody one time uh, tell me of something, well, God hasn't revealed that to you yet. And when God reveals that to you, and uh, it's just a source of pride. And and the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the last days, that um, there would be... uh, such a tragedy as far as we, we talk about that, this issue of doctrine and uh, this issue that uh, uh, Satan would just bring along into churches, uh, this false doctrine. And so we've got to be careful. We need a common doctrine. I'm very thankful for the unity that God has given us here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. Uh, then there's a common purpose. He talks about striving together for the faith of the gospel. You'll see that in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 27. And as we've tried to emphasize, the Great Commission is our mission. And uh, that's our purpose. And that's uh, the Lord has placed us here as a local church to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's given us and uh, five occasions uh, uh, before His ascension into heaven. Uh, he emphasized this mission. And that's to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, a lot of times we, we major in the minors, but the major ought to be uh, to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And uh, that's our mission that God has given to us in striving together for the faith of the gospel, uh, getting the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl upon the face of this planet earth. And, and may the Lord burn our hearts. And uh, may we never lose that burden, that uh, vision uh, to win others to Jesus Christ, to, uh, to give uh, the gospel forth and to tell, uh, tell the world about Jesus Christ. May we never lose that vision as a church. That's a common purpose that God has given to us. And then we began uh, here recently dealing with a common love in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love... If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill you, my joy, that you be like-minded. And he says, having the same love. Here's a common love, being of one cord, of one mind. And we spoke about uh, the words of Jesus before the crucifixion. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By what? By your love, by the way you love others. And we live in a dog-eat-dog world, and the world watches. And the world watches you as a church. And the world uh, sees. And you know, when there's conflict uh, within a church, um, if you have prob- problems with your brother and sister in Christ here, don't take it outside, okay? Uh, don't get a lost world involved in it. Uh, it does great tragedy, great harm to the cause of Christ. And uh, a world wants every excuse they can find uh, to reject Jesus Christ, to uh, have an excuse for uh, not being in church, or to have an excuse for not following the ways of God, and, uh, and they're looking for those excuses. And so, uh, you know, within a family, it's uh, your brothers and sisters. Uh, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and uh, we're not always going to agree with brothers and sisters, do we? 
any of you have a brother and a sister you had trouble with at times? Okay, a little bit of conflict, and we do at times. And uh, I had six children, and uh, my six children didn't always get along. Okay, they, they didn't always get along. I could tell you stories, and I found stories out that I didn't know about and that they came to me and uh, would tell me about different things. But, uh, you know, we, we're brothers and sisters, and uh, we got to learn uh, to love like Jesus loved. And we talked about the patience of love and uh, the Lord has a sense of humor. He puts people into our lives that are going to rub us the wrong way. And, uh, and there are going to be people that personalities, uh, different personalities get along and different ones don't. And that's uh, just a part of life and a part of growing. And there's the patience of our love. And aren't you glad the Lord has been patient with you? Uh, you know, he didn't uh, write you off uh, just because he didn't like your personality. And isn't that a blessing? Uh, and then the forgiveness of love. If we're going to have that common love, uh, we must learn to forgive as Christ forgave and every one of us. And uh, we live in a valley here where there's bitterness and there, is, uh, uh, there are families that are divided. They're broken and it's been generation after generation after generation after generation. And, and there are uh, family members that can't get along with each other and they don't even see each other. And I've been to places that uh, brothers and sisters inherited land together and they built a fence so they couldn't see each other. And they didn't want to see each other. And just, uh, you know, there's the forgiveness and there's that hurt that has gone on from generation to generation. And, and uh, here God tells us we need to learn to put that past behind. And aren't you thankful that the Lord forgave you? And I guarantee you there's nobody that has treated you uh, the way you treated the Lord. And yet he forgave. And as Christ has forgiven you, we learn to give that love uh, to our brothers and sisters. And, and then there's that reconciling aspect of love. And not only do you need to forgive, but you are going to need to be forgiven. I guarantee that. You're going to fail somebody. You're going to let somebody down. And uh, need to be humble about that and be willing to leave your gift at the altar and go your way. And just be honest. It's good to learn to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And we have to do that within the home. We have to do that with siblings. We have to do that husbands and wives. And uh, we have to do that brothers and sisters in the local church. And uh, we need that. And now in all of this, uh, and, and we started with this thought, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it was that mind of humility. And it takes humility. When we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think of ourselves, the whole world begins to revolve around us. And and uh, we don't have that uh, heart of uh, uh, putting others ahead. And we need to have the mind of humility and the mind of being a servant one to another and, and uh, uh, being concerned about the spiritual welfare uh, of our brothers and sisters. And uh, Paul warns in other letters uh, that uh, we need to be cautious about uh, being in a position that would be offensive or cause a brother or sister to be offended. Uh, because of a poor testimony and uh, we always need to be mindful of that that our goal ought to be to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and everything so the forgiveness of love the mind of servanthood the mind of submission and obedience and uh, again it takes a submissive spirit to be patient and, and to be forgiving and to seek reconciliation and it takes that mind of Christ to do so I'm going to continue the thought tonight, a common love, and I want to deal with tonight what we will call the commitment of love, because there's a lot of false concept about love. Love is not a feeling. You ever hear somebody say of a marriage, I, I fell out of love. 
That's not love. Uh, you ever hear somebody say, I just don't love them anymore. And, uh, and that's not what the Bible teaches as love. Okay, that's based upon lust. That's based upon selfishness. Uh, you ever hear the Lord say of an individual, I just fell out of love with them. I don't love them anymore. I'm through with them. That's not the Lord, is it? That's not how he deals with us. You know, with uh, churches, and, uh, and you see this all across, uh, I just don't feel the same about my church anymore. Somebody hurt me. I'm not comfortable anymore. I'm just not comfortable around them. I'm hurt inside, and you'll hear that often. And that's not love. There's a commitment uh, of love. Now, I want to, want to talk about this commitment of love, having the same love, because if we talk about the commitment of love, let's think about Christ's commitment to us. First of all, Christ's commitment to us. Uh, John 13, verses 34 and 35, we've talked about again a new commandment. I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Now that statement, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now think about this, as I have loved you, his love for us is deeper than we can ever describe, isn't it? Uh, if you go with me to the book of Ephesians, go back just a little bit to Ephesians chapter 5. And it really speaks of the Lord's commitment to us as a local church. Uh, he gave himself for us, Ephesians chapter 5. I, I want to read several verses here. And just look at this whole context. Ephesians 5, verse 23, often called this the blueprint for a godly home. But it's got so much besides a home. It deals with the church also. Look in verse 23. And it reads, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. And he says, Husbands... Love your wives, even as Christ, notice this, also loved the church and gave himself for it. The Lord Jesus Christ loves the church. He loves the local church and he gave himself for the church. And he goes on to say that he made sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it be sure, should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now you'll notice here in this passage, the Lord Jesus loved the church. He sacrificed himself and he sanctifies the church. He sets the church apart for himself. He constantly, patiently works with the church. He constantly works in our life. He's molding us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29, speaking of saved people, uh, that he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the goal of the Lord Jesus Christ for every born-again child of his is to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's working in your life and he is allowing and uh, bringing events to mold you to his character. That's the work and the love and he never gives up on his child. Isn't that precious to know? He's constantly guiding, working with his children. Now let's uh, look at a couple of verses along these lines and talking about his commitment to us. Go to 1 John, uh, the book of 1 John. And uh, the book of 1 John speaks a lot about this commitment of the Lord to us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, 
It reads, hereby perceive we the love of God. And it reads, because he laid down his life for us. Uh, he says, as, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You go to chapter 4, verse 7. In 1 John, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love, he says. In verse number 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because the God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You go to verse number 19, a very similar thought in chapter 4 here. And it reads, we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so it's very clear he loved us before we loved him. And he committed himself to us before we committed to him. And his love for us is unconditional, it's undeserved, it's unchanging. And he is committed to his children. You think about this, he never leaves them, he never forsakes them, he never gives up on them. He continues to mold us to his image, preparing us for the return of Jesus Christ, that we might be wholly spotless without blame before him as he returns. Now that's the foundation of our love to him. We love him because... He first loved us. And it's His love for us that draws us to love Him. So that's His commitment to us. It's deeper than we can ever describe, isn't it? But His commitment to us becomes the basis of our commitment to Him. Now because He loved us, the Bible teaches us that the first and the great commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. He loved us. He desires us to love him in return. Now, in our Christian school right now, we're going through Luke chapter 14. That's our memory verse. There's an interesting verse in Luke 14 that talks about the cost of discipleship. And it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple." Now that's a comparative love. Of course we're not to hate our parents. Of course we're not to hate our brother and our sister. But I believe what the Lord is saying, if you are going to be my disciple, your love for me should be so much deeper, so much higher, so much greater than your love for anything or anyone else. Our love for the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be the great and first and foremost love of our lives. I shared this morning in our, in our chapel service a great illustration of this in the Bible, it's the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. And in fact, you ought to turn there with me because it's got a lot of neat stuff. Genesis chapter 22. And I think this is what the Lord is expressing and what God deals with Abraham. Uh, you'll read here the, the first part of this chapter and it came to pass, chapter 22. After these things, this is toward the end of Abraham's life and that God did tempt Abraham. He's testing him. He's trying him. He's trying his heart, trying his love. 
And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Here's the son of Abraham's old age. Here's the son of promise. Here's the son that Abraham has invested in. Here's the son that Abraham has so dearly given himself in teaching and training and portraying the promises of God. And God said, Abraham, I want you to take that son that you love and I want you to offer that son as a sacrifice in the place that I will tell thee of. And so here is God testing the heart and the love of Abraham. You know the story. Uh, Abraham uh, traveled for three days. Wonderful picture of the cross and God the Father and God the Son uh, pictured here in the three-day journey and how the, the Father gave uh, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Abraham traveled to that place where God revealed to him. And Abraham took his son, laid him upon the altar of sacrifice and uh, took the knife to slay his son in obedience to God. And then God uh, stops Abram and said, Abraham, no, I just wanted to know that you love me. That's the level of commitment. That's what God is looking for from our life. He loved us. and He's looking for a love for him that is deeper than our love for anything or anybody. And what we shared this morning in our, in our devotion time, is there anything that that takes precedence in your heart over the Lord. Maybe it's a person, could be a boyfriend, could be a girlfriend, could be, uh, could be a, a relationship, could be uh, social media, uh, could be a hobby, uh, could be a job, uh, could be money, uh, could be any number of things. And does it take precedence in your life? And the love for the Lord ought to be the deepest and greatest love of our life. And we know that Abraham obeyed God. I love what God says to Abraham in verse number 15 of chapter 22. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore. Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And God said, In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Abraham obeyed the Lord, proving his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the level of commitment that God is looking for us. Now that's kind of the foundation for what I want to give us tonight. I won't be long here from this point. Uh, Christ's commitment to us, He first loved us. He loved us unconditionally. He proved His love sacrificially. He gave Himself. And that ought to lead to our commitment to Him. Uh, we love Him because He first loved us. But it also leads us to our commitment one to another. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, Fulfill you my joy, in verse 2, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now the great commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. You know, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we're exhorted that we are to love one another even as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And uh, do you understand that tonight Christian love 
is really Christ extending His love through you. And that becomes very crucial. Christ being allowed to love others through you. Now let me relate this because so many applications. Husbands, uh, the Bible says love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Uh, ask you a question, husband, does, does Christ love your wife? And of course, how does he love your wife? Unconditionally, sacrificially. He committed himself to her. He died for her. Don't you think that if Christ loved your wife, you ought to love your wife? As Christ loved your wife? And here's the challenge. Let the Lord love your wife through you because she's very special to Him. But let's take that to the wife, wives. You can allow Jesus to show your husband how much He loves him. And you can allow that to be through you. See, you can be a vessel to show your husband that Jesus loves him. And parents, allow Jesus to extend his love through you to your children. It's a wonderful illustration of this in the Word of God, and that's the prodigal son. And that father loved his son very dearly. Now, please understand, and we live here in a valley where everybody thinks that love is to let your kids get a by with whatever they want to and never discipline. That's not love. You see, you find that whenever the prodigal son came to the father, that the father gave him the portion of goods, but that son could not stay in a rebellious state in that home. That son had to be dealt with, and we know the story. That son made his way to a far country and wasted his substance on riotous living. But did that father ever quit loving him? No. Did that father ever give up on him? No. And You'll find that that father, I believe day after day, went and looked toward that far land. And I believe that father is praying for that son. And we know the story that that son down in the hog pen came to his senses and said, I will arise and go to my father. And I'll say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And, and we know the story is that that son uh, came back and that father is watching. And I think that father, when he saw, that's my boy, that's my boy, that's my boy. He's coming home and he ran to meet that boy. And we know the account that he killed the fatted calf and he took the ring and put it upon his finger and the robe upon his back and shoes upon his feet. And that love never died, did it? That father was showing the love of God to that son, to that boy. And parents, we can show the Lord's love. The Lord can love through us. Now, many struggle and here's what's so crucial. And I hope if, if you catch nothing else because we live in a world that is crazy hurting and homes have been broken and torn apart. And there are a lot of people today that have grown up in homes. And they're broken and there have been broken commitments. And they've experienced conditional love. And there are a lot of people today that have scars from those homes and situations and uh, abuse and various things that people have faced and, and they need the healing of Jesus uh, and only Jesus can give that healing. Only Jesus can restore and they, only Jesus can show forgiveness uh, through them. And I want to challenge you to have a commitment to your home uh, to show the love of Christ within your home and to have a home that would reveal Jesus to your family. Have a home that would represent, you know, a lot of young people today 
have no idea what God's love is like toward us because they've never experienced the Father's love in the home. They don't know what it is to be loved. They, they don't know what that love is, and, and uh, they don't understand that unconditional love. And, and we need to build our homes in such a way as to show that love for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge you with that. But I also want to challenge you, and let's take that a step further. And I want to consider your church. See, when God builds a church, uh, there are a lot of people that are going to come from a background of brokenness. They're going to come from a background of hurt. They're going to come from a background where they don't understand the love of God. Uh, we have people that will come from many backgrounds, many personalities, many gifts, and uh, some come to church with those scars and those hurts of the past, and, and they need the healing that only Jesus can give. And that's where the Lord wants to use you to show them the love of Jesus through you. I think that's something of what Paul's expressing, having the same love. Having that kind of a love. They, it's like the Good Samaritan. See, there, there are a lot of people, and we've been there, all of us. They've been robbed. That's the thief. That's Satan. They've been left by the side of the road half dead. Religion has passed them by on either side. They've been hurt even through church and they've been hurt through people and through church people and religion has passed them by. They're laying aside on the road. Here comes the good Samaritan and he pours, pours the oil and it's a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And The good Samaritan in the Bible is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the good Samaritan. Aren't you glad that he found you in that half-dead condition and that he reached down and he loved you? And he poured the Holy Spirit into you and you got born again. And he made a difference. Uh, and do you know the story that the Good Samaritan took that, that man and put him on his own, own uh, donkey and he took him where? To the inn. And I've always seen the inn in the Bible as a picture of the church. I've seen the inn as that place where that broken man was able to find healing and find the love of the Lord. And so that church, that inn, and that's what you are, Valley Bible Baptist Church. You're that inn where that broken person can be put to pieces or Humpty Dumpty can be put back together again. And God can do the work uh, of grace in the heart and the life. See, Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. And his love for the local church is very deep. You know, I believe this. If we love Jesus, we're going to love the things that Jesus loves. And your love for the Lord is going to be reflected by what you love. If you love the Lord, you're going to love the things that He loves. And He loved the church. He loved the church so much that He gave Himself for the church. And He's committed to the church. Again, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We read this, but I want to reread this with a little different thought. In Ephesians chapter 5. As you look at the Lord's love for the church, His commitment to the church, think about this. Ephesians chapter 5. I know I got it in my Bible. Here, Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse number 25. He says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. He loved the church. 
He says, of the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Uh, do you see that Christ was committed to the church? He was committed to purchasing a bride, to saving souls. Are we committed to our church? See, having the same love. Remember the context of Philippians is the context of a local church. Paul to all the saints, to the bishops, to the deacons. He's talking to this church at Philippi. And you think about this, a strong church is built through committed, dedicated people. You know, the strongest churches I have known, and, and I've seen some churches that God has used, and, and through the years, the ch strongest churches, I've seen uh, churches where pastors have, uh, have given their lives. And I've seen staff that often has served for years. And I've seen, it was interesting at, uh, at uh, the conference and one of the preachers uh, spoke of, of Brother Keeney, been a faithful member ever, ever since I've gone to that particular conference for now, I think 36 years. And Brother Keeney, he's just one of the pastors commented, he's like a piece of furniture, you just expect him to be there. And that's the faithfulness, that's the commitment of a strong church, just strong people that have been committed and have grown and have just been faithful. Uh, people who just stick. And people who stick when others come and others go. People that are just steadfast during every season. Uh, and there are times of sowing. There are times that you don't see a whole lot. There are times of cultivating. And there are times of purging. Times when churches go through uh, difficulties, and there are times when uh, the Lord is purging, and then there are times of reaping, and there are times when God brings. But see, a strong church is built when people are committed, as Christ was committed to the church. We become committed to one another as a family. You know, we live in a day when people are easily hurt, people are easily offended. But a strong church is built around people that aren't going to be easily offended. They're just going to be steadfast and uh, they're going to learn to love as Christ loved, to forgive as Christ forgave and to seek forgiveness and reconciliation as we ought to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. Now when Paul says this to the church at Philippi, he says that you might be like-minded, having the same love. He's talking about this level of commitment that comes from our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that, that church was special we said to Paul. And I just kind of picture in my mind, I can't prove this, nobody could prove this because it doesn't say this specifically, but I kind of picture as Paul is writing back to that church that still in this church is a woman named Lydia and her household that were baptized. They become a part of that foundation. And Paul has watched them as they're growing in their level of commitment. They're like that furniture that you just expect them to be there. And then I kind of think that there's still that slave girl who her life was a mess, demon-possessed, and she had been used and abused. But she found in that church a love from people that she had never experienced. And I kind of think that in that church there's this slave girl 
that has now grown and found the love of the Lord and now the Lord loving through her. And I kind of think that that another piece of furniture in that church that Paul's grown to love is a jailer who was a hard man and uh, had been mean to Paul, but he got saved and his whole life changed and there's his family. Now, I, I don't know this, but could it be that Epaphroditus was one of these? I think he's the senior pastor there at the church and he's a faithful man and Paul's grown to love him. And then there's Euodius and Sentike. They're in that church and Paul mentions them by name. And I don't know, was one of those the slave girl? I, I have no idea. But I know that these are people in that church that are committed to that church. And that church has grown. And God has blessed it because of the faithful love and commitment of folks. Do you have the commitment and love for your home, for your church, do you love Jesus as he loved you? Do you have that love for the Lord that his, his love for, or your love for him is first and foremost? Is there an Isaac that needs to be sacrificed? It's the level of commitment. That's the level of love the Lord's looking for. Is the Lord being allowed to love others through you? Is there somebody that can look at you and say, I know that God loves me because he's used that person in my life. And I can see the love of Jesus in them. See, I kind of think that's what Paul's challenging this church. Be of one mind, having the same love. It's a letter to a local church. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed.